Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. So we just want to start by telling you guys about Best Egg. So how many of us have looked at our finances and screamed, how is it possible that we make this much and still have so much debt? It's a very relatable feeling. It kind of just creeps up on us. And there's, you know, unexpected repairs, replacing the washer and dryer, medical bills, those insane interest credit cards that you had to use to pay for, just a lot of things. So we want to tell you about a really smart move that could actually help you get on top of your finances. You can get a fixed rate personal loan at bestegg.com. The rates are great right now. Imagine this, finally being able to pay down those crazy high credit cards and bills and then bank the money you save each month. Consumers have actually rated Best Egg 4.8 out of 5 stars on Consumer Affairs because of the super easy online loan app that takes about a minute with no impact to your credit score. So, upon approval, funds can be deposited in as little as one business day. Get your bills under control, bank what you save, and take control of your finances with a loan from bestegg.com. So if you're interested, visit bestegg.com slash cbc. Again, that's bestegg.com slash CBC. And one more time, bestegg.com slash CBC. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome to episode 15 of our Kardashian bonus show. So as you guys know, we have been using this episode to kind of recap Sunday night's Keeping Up, but there was no episode last night and we had a little more freedom, right? I love when we have a little freedom. (laughs) So we decided we wanted to do something a little bit different. And kind of in light of, you know, Kim's legal journey that she's on, we felt like Robert Kardashian, you know, their father has been brought up a lot recently. Obviously, you know, some people are saying that she's got her legal start because of her legal roots and him and all that kind of stuff. And we kind of just wanted to talk about him a little, right? Yeah, we don't talk about him enough. I feel like we don't talk about him enough. Um, And, you know, we kind of wanted to devote this episode to not doing like a biography on him by any means, but talking about his life, obviously talking about the OJ case, just some interesting facts, interesting dynamics, right? Yeah, I just wanted to talk about OJ, so I had to frame it. <laughs> I had to frame it like this so that Emma let me. I just think that a lot of us, you know, even even us that know every single detail about the Kardashians, we don't really know that much about 
pre-keeping up. And I think that it's important to kind of talk about that a little. Oh, I learned a lot doing this. Yeah, no, I know you did. So let's get into it. (laughs) You ready? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) So one thing, just a fun fact that we found out while doing this outline was that the Kardashian family name actually used to be Kardashian and then it evolved to Kardashians over time. We're not sure if it was changed when they came to America or before then, but I just thought that was such an interesting fact. Keeping up with the Kardashians. It it would have totally changed the course of pop culture as we know it. You know what I mean? it literally would have. But you know what's funny? That if it was always Kardashian, we'd be sitting here being like, imagine if it was Kardashian, that would be so weird. I, know. I don't know. I kind of like keeping up with the Kardashians. I'm honestly kind of into it. It sounds like a. <laughs> it sounds like the translation to a different language of how they pronounce Kardashian in a different country. Like when I was in when I was in Tel Aviv, there was a commercial for keeping up with the Kardashians, and I was like, Mishpaha Kardashian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I kind of love it. So. Let me tell you a little bit about Robert Kardashian, just history. So he was born February 22nd, 1944 in LA. And for those of you who follow astrology, that would make him a Pisces. So just keep that in the back of your head as we do this. Um, He went to USC undergrad and he went to the University of San Diego Law School. Obviously, Rob, his son, also went to USC. So that is the family connection to USC. We're going to talk a lot in this episode kind of about the OJ trial and about his career as a lawyer. But first, let's just get out some relationship romantic dynamics out of the way. Do you agree with that, Julie? I would love to do it that way. Okay. So as we all know, he was married to Chris, but previously he actually dated Priscilla Presley from 1975 to 1976, which the reason this is so unsurprising, I honestly didn't know that until we made this, but the reason this is so unsurprising- Uh, Yeah, it was fun fact number two. (laughs) It's because the Kardashians are all just connected to these very famous pop culture figures in history somehow. Yeah. It's it's like kind of unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So that's just a fun fact to keep in the back of your head. So he married Chris in 1978. And, you know, of course, they had four kids together. They ended up getting divorced in 1991. So important timeline to keep track of. They got divorced in February of 1991. And Chris and Caitlin got married in April of 1991. Yeah. So that was the official official divorce. It's kind of like Kim and Kanye getting together before her divorce with Chris was finalized. Right, of course. As you know, that takes forever. But if you remember, Chris had that affair with Todd Waterman. That was and in, that started in 1989. Right. So, I mean, around the, this this time, I would say from like 88 to 92 was a incredibly tumultuous time in their romantic oh, yeah. life. Yeah. Todd Waterman was, and correct me if I'm wrong, the younger soccer player who, I mean, this is the, the affair is been talked about openly. Yeah, remember, she connected with him in an episode. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of... And I was reading that she had said, I'm not 100% how true this is, but I was reading that she said that even when her and Bruce were first together, she was still with Todd. That's so interesting to think about. Yeah, wow. So he also, so after, you know, 1991, which is in their divorce, eight years later, he had a 30-day marriage, um, which, of course, ended in an annulment. He then... In 2003, married a woman named Ellen Pearson. So they had been dating for three years. They started dating in 2000. He proposed to her in 2001, and they ended up getting married in 2003, literally six weeks before he died, which I can't believe is not talked about more. I I I wonder where she is. I didn't know any of that. I wonder if there was any discussion as to inheritance. Like, I— None of that, you know. Seems like the only reason to get married six weeks before somebody, because they found out two months before. So it seems like there there had to have been an inheritance reason for the marriage in the first place. I have I have absolutely no idea. I just but think I want, it's yeah. really, it's so interesting. I mean, 
you know, that's the thing. Is like if all of this was happening when the cameras were rolling, we would know so much more than we yeah than we do. I, I mean, there's a ton of information that we don't know about him and, and about their lives before. But the funny thing is that I feel like every time a new event happens in the world of Kardashian, we're all all meaning like all of us collectively sitting here like, how could it get crazier? And it's like if we only knew what was going on before they right. were famous, it was ten times crazier. Okay, so that's a pretty good just romantic history. Let's talk a little bit career-wise of him as a lawyer. So he practiced law for about a decade. He was also the co-founder of the trade publication Radio and Records. He, which we did not know this, this is fun fun. fact number three. (laughs) We should have a sound effect for that. Fun fact number three, Robert Kardashian pioneered the idea of playing music in movie theaters between movies. That was Rob Kardashian. Who knew? He turned that concept into a business called Movie Tunes. Are you guys learning as much as we are? Because we learned so much making this. Yeah. Also important thing to clarify is that when he was practicing law, he didn't practice criminal law. It was business law. Right. That is important. That, that's one of the reasons that his, like, their win was so monumental also because it wasn't like this. he spent his life in the criminal. Yeah. We'll get into it. We'll, get, it, we'll get into all that in a second. He also started Juice Inc., which is a frozen yogurt shop and a music video company called Concert Cinema. So those were just some of his other business business ventures. I mean, as we know, listen, the Kardashians now are wealth on another level, but growing up, they grew up wealthy. I mean, he was, yeah. you know, he he did very well as a businessman, as a lawyer in his own right, clearly not like the money that they have now, but he was always a very smart man and was very successful in providing for his family. So, see where I wrote, enter OJ? Yeah. OJ and him were partners with Juice Inc which is the frozen yogurt place, which, fun fact, remember the other night when Isabel was like, why did you just, like, when she pulled up your computer and there was a Wikipedia article of just frozen yogurt, and yeah, she's like, yeah. why are you Googling frozen yogurt? And I was, like, trying to explain how I'd gotten there from this. That's how I got there. That is so funny. Okay, very interesting anecdote to keep in mind. So they met, Robert Kardashian and O.J. Simpson met on a tennis court in 1970 and became friends. So keep in mind, if you're following the previous timeline, that was 21 years before him and Chris's divorce was finalized, just if we're working backwards for a second. So they'd been friends for a lot of years. I mean, this wasn't like a, a new friendship. No. Right? No. Him and, and O.J.'s football career began like the year before they met. Like O.J. was, was drafted in 69, which was like a huge thing because, you know— he was, he was also a football player. Yes, I know. We forget that often. So Nicole Brown and OJ got married in 1985. They met in 1977 when OJ was married to his first wife, which just really seems to be a trend. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they got divorced in 1992. And as you know, other events transpired. But in terms of the dynamic between Robert and Chris and Nicole and OJ, let's just talk about that for a second because I don't think a lot of people— I would love to. Really understand. They became very close friends and kind of spent a lot of holidays and vacations together. And it was it, it was very much like a foursome. They were, yeah. they were all— Like, think about your parents' best friends and right. the way they interacted. That was, that was OJ, Nicole, Chris, and, and Robert. They went on vacations together. It's kind of crazy. They went out to Mezzaluna together. And they also—the two, the, the two pairs went through different—went through divorces at kind of similar yeah. times. So they were aligned in a lot of, in a lot of different ways. Would you like to take us into fun fact number four? Oh, my God. <laughs> we're getting into the OJ trial. So we're going to get into now the OJ trial. So now that you have the scene set, listen, I know we're not going into intense detail here. It's just it's not that necessary. We want to kind of talk about the trial and uh, 
get into that. Yeah. Essentially, this whole thing is just me wanting to talk about the OJ trial. And I had to frame it in a way that was like, let's talk about Robert Kardashian. Yes, exactly. Um, so, fun fact number four. When Robert joined OJ's defense team, he had not been in a courtroom in 20 years and had not practiced law in any capacity in 15 years. And he was never a criminal lawyer. So, Rob's position on OJ's team wasn't even so much as a lawyer. He was just there to be OJ's handler and, like, help facilitate a relationship between him and the rest of his team. He was, like, a liaison, for lack yeah. of a better word, I would and say. And he was, he was, like, he was like OJ's babysitter, essentially. Mm-hmm. So when, o, when they found out that Nicole had been killed, not knowing it was OJ at the time, um, Robert went to OJ's house and stayed with him, like, fully with him until he was arrested and taken to prison. Which is so crazy to think about. Imagine what happened in those in those hours, the conversations that transpired. Yeah, well, that's why a lot of people believe that Robert had some sort of knowledge that was never presented. If you remember, there's there was a Louis Vuitton garment bag that OJ had given to Robert. And it, it had never been proven what was in it or or that Robert had anything to do with it. And and years I think during the trial or maybe right after the trial, he had handed it once it had became a big piece of evidence. And he had said that they, they didn't do anything with it. They never even tested it. Um, so the way, if, if have you ever seen The People vs. OJ, the show? Like a little. A little. Not, you should yeah. watch it. There's a scene that, where they show Robert opening this garment bag in his living room and like really scared to see what's in it. And then he opens it and, and it's just closed in it. Like there's nothing in it. So there's there was a huge, huge amount of speculation about what was in this Louis Vuitton garment bag. So... That kind of, you know, Robert was elevated and and became really known because of his involvement in the OJ case. But that one piece of evidence or or lack thereof of the garment bag is is really how Robert Kardashian was like, whoa, who is this guy? Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I I would think in, in general, kind of his whole, I would imagine that going from being his best friend or one of his best friends to then seeing almost a whole other side of him from the legal side yeah. was, was a really interesting, I mean, imagine, here's this guy, he's your best friend, you're going to defend him, and in the process, you kind of realize some things about him that are well, that was one of the, frightening. That was one of the things that they spoke about, was that Robert always believed OJ, because the thing about OJ is that he was so charming, that people, that was half the reason that people had such a hard time believing this, because he was this unbelievably friendly, charming guy, and Dave Chappelle does a whole, I think I've told you this, does a whole stand-up about the times he's met O.J. Simpson. And he tells this one time where he, um, O.J. comes backstage after a show, and it was it was after the, the trial, after he had been um, found innocent, and or not guilty, rather. And he, he says in his stand-up, he's like, O.J. came backstage, and he was the nicest, friendliest guy. Like, we were all schmoozing and hanging out and talking, and we had so much fun. And and he walked, and he got up, and we all gave hugs goodbye, and wa- he walked out of the room. And and Dave Chappelle says, and, and we all looked at each other and said, oh, yeah, he did it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's so true. He He's always been described. He's, that's one thing. He's never not been described as charming in everything no, that no, you mean about No, no, and that's the thing about him. Okay, we are so excited to be taking a minute to tell you guys about this next brand, Julie. Am I right that we are so hyped for this? Oh my God, so excited. (laughs) Okay, so we're talking about Away, which is kind of like first-class luggage at a coach price. So this is the travel brand that I'm sure you have seen on Instagram or really anywhere. They're just the best suitcases ever. I'm going to tell you a little about the company, reasons that we love it, and all that good stuff. So 
Away was founded by two friends from New York. At, they were at JFK. They had dead phones, delayed flights, and then they had the idea. What about luggage with power, which is how the Away carry-on was born? That's the whole thing about this company is that they ask thousands of people how they pack, why they travel, what bugs them the most about their luggage, and then they design bags that kind of solve those problems, like old problems, for example, sticky wheels, and the new problems, like dead cell phones. They literally put a battery in their carry-on. Like, why has nobody ever done that before? I have no idea. It's just so, so, so smart, and it's such a good brand. The thing about them is that they use really high-quality materials, but they offer them at a much lower price compared to other brands because they kind of just cut out the middleman. There's four different sizes, which is the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, or the large. We both have the carry-on, and it saved our lives not only from just a resilience perspective, like it is so strong and sturdy, but also the charger is amazing. Um, All the suitcases are made with premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance and also very lightweight. Also, it has the interior has this patent pending compression system, which is really helpful for overpackers like myself. Like you, they have no idea what they're dealing with here. I, I have a real issue in this bag. Seriously, saves my life. Um, and also four 360 degree spinner wheels, which guarantee a smooth ride. I mean, there are so many features about this bag. I could talk for ten minutes. But if you are interested, which you really should be, if you're looking for a new bag, I'm telling you, for twenty dollars off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com/cbc and use promo code CBC during checkout. Again, that's for twenty dollars off a suitcase. Visit awaytravel.com/cbc and use promo code CBC during checkout. You will not regret this. Okay, now back to the show. So I think what a lot of people are always curious about is like, okay, if, if, you know, Chris, Robert, Nicole, and OJ were such good friends, wouldn't Robert defending OJ when, after Nicole was murdered, who was Chris's best friend, cause some sort of a divide in, in the family? And that it did, Emma. Yes. That it did. <laughs> I was setting you up for that one. And it really did, um, you know, because Robert was obviously defending OJ, who he believed was innocent, and Chris, Chris thought that OJ had killed Nicole— The kids didn't really know which side they were supposed to be on. In Kim's most recent Vogue interview, she talked about, you know, going through the OJ evidence room. I can just imagine, that was just one small anecdote, but I can just imagine how heavily involved they must have been just from a mental perspective. You know what I mean? Like they're watching this play out. Well, this is really interesting also. um, In keeping, not in keeping up with the Kardashians, in the people versus OJ, Robert is obviously heavily involved and they show, you know, actors portraying the kids. And there's one scene where they're sitting on the couch and their dad's on TV, obviously talking, reading OJ. I think it was OJ's suicide note that he had written when he was when he was uh, in the infamous car chase. And the kids are all sitting on the couch cheering like Kardashian. Like it was the first time their name had been heard on TV. But think about that. Like the, the grandkids now are growing up. Their name's constantly on TV. It's never a surprise. But these kids turn on TV one day and all of a sudden their dad is everywhere. And one of the other things in The People versus OJ is that there's a scene where OJ has a gun and he's in, in in the show in Kim's room threatening to kill himself. And Robert Kardashian says, no, not in Kimmy's room. Like, you can't do this in here. It was Chloe's room. And when they made the show and they were redoing it, they thought it would be more culturally significant to say that OJ threatened to kill himself in Kim's room rather than in Chloe's room. That is so genius, right? That is such a genius it, it, I mean, move on there. On the as, yeah, as famous as Chloe is, it is it is so more impactful to hear like O.J. Simpson in Kim Kardashian's childhood bedroom. Wow, 
I'm, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I know. No, why do you think I wanted to talk about it so no, badly? It really, it really is wild. I, I think that we all forget that they had this whole other life before any of this that some could argue was even crazier. I mean, the fact of the matter is, and as as awful as it is to say, because two people tragically lost their lives, the Kardashians wouldn't be the Kardashians without this trial. It just, it wouldn't have evolved that way. Robert Kardashian would never have been known. It would never have evolved to, you know, where it has become. Even though they were famous in some respect or, or well-known, and even though um, Chris and Caitlyn, then Bruce, were married, and Caitlyn was obviously a famous Olympian at the time, it, it never would have progressed to what it did without that Kardashian name becoming so recognizable. And so linked to one of the biggest tragedies, I guess, in in pop culture. I mean, the O.J. Simpson case was, it, it, if you think Jordan Gate was crazy, it, the way O.J., there was nothing else on TV. There's, there's the story that there were sports bars and the NBA final game was on and every TV changed over to O.J.'s car chase because... Because that's all people cared about. It was every second of it was so absorbed by everybody. And it was the that's when 24-hour news was first starting. And the O.J. Simpson case was the first case with DNA evidence really put in court. And no one knew what it meant at the time. You know, I know we weren't really planning on doing this because we were going to keep it more Robert Kardashian focused. But do you want to give a little very, very brief kind of summary of what happened, yeah. including like treating as if any everybody listening really has no idea. They have no idea. That, let's say they had no idea OJ was even involved. Like what happened between him and Nicole? So OJ and Nicole were married and they, they had gotten divorced and OJ was, you know, they're, it showed the duality of OJ in his relationship. And, you know, we describe him as incredibly charming, but there was also a dark side of OJ even prior to the murders. So, OJ and Nicole, what she reported was, you know, a very loving relationship, but also a very abusive relationship. And I was talking to somebody the other day that, that you know, knew OJ through other people and said that they were at dinner one time and OJ and Nicole had gotten into a fight and he watched OJ grab her by the hair and drag her across the table. Like it was, you know, that was always a relationship they had. And that's why th- that was part of the case that they prevented in court. But anyways... There was one night where Nicole was out to dinner and she came back from dinner and had left her glasses at Mezzaluna, which is the restaurant that they had gone to a lot. It's not open anymore. What I would have done every time we go, I'm like, can we go to Mezzaluna? Every single time we go to LA, Julie's like, come on, please just watch. I'm like, it doesn't exist. (laughs) Keep going. So there was a waiter, Rob Goldman, who brought her glasses back because she had left them at the restaurant. And the... It's kind of hard to say exactly what had happened because you're walking, well, we're now walking the line of he was declared not guilty. So what we believe happened was OJ saw them together, was hit with a fit of jealousy because thought that they were having an affair or something and and killed both of them. And this was at Nicole's property and he then went back to his own property. And you know, for the public, O.J. Simpson was, he was the juice. Like, he was the, he was the most famous football player at the time. He was larger than life. He had done so many things. And all of a sudden, here's this guy, and his wife's dead, and he is the main culprit. He's the main suspect. So, you know, there was a period of time in between her being killed and when he was arrested for it. 
And when they had enough evidence, they they said, okay, OJ, you turn yourself in at 3 p.m. You know, it, it, he was able to get doctors to come and check him out before he went to prison and all these things. And instead of going to prison, that's when the car chase happened. And everyone thinks it was this high-speed car chase where the Ford Bronco was going down the freeway that cleared it. It wasn't. OJ was going probably 50 miles an hour. OJ's in the back seat with a gun to the driver or a gun to himself saying, I'll kill myself, keep driving. And it, it sparked the... The fascination with OJ was sparked then. People couldn't look away. It was the trial of the century. And, you know, OJ had built this incredible team, which was the dream team. It was it was the dream team because no one could believe that he got away with this. And he, he got away with murder. And one of the reasons that he he got away with it, you really should watch People vs. OJ because it really explains it better than I can. But th- like I said, DNA evidence wasn't known at this time. So, for example, if you left your hair at a crime and we were able to match it, we know exactly what that meant. We knew you were there, no question. When they were explaining to the jury, you know, OJ's blood is at the scene and OJ's this is at the scene, um, they didn't know what that meant. They didn't know what DNA was. It's just so, as you're as you're talking, it's not even that I don't know this stuff, I know it. It just, it blows my mind. And connecting it back to Robert, Robert so deeply believed OJ. And one of the things he said was, as the trial went on and they kept throwing this DNA evidence at him, he was like, I, I, he's like, I so believe him, but how are they going to tell me that it's a one in a billion chance that he, what, that it wasn't him there? And, you know, going back to the trial, there was a lot of, you know, doubt that the dream team put together in order to mess up, you know, mess with the jury and make them think, because that's the whole point of a criminal trial. You don't have to prove that somebody is innocent. They just have to prove that there is a reasonable doubt to think that they're not guilty. And that's what they did by, you know, they painted a lot of different stories. There was a story that, you know, maybe Nicole was killed by a drug dealer and maybe, but the big one was that OJ was set up by the, by the police and that this was the whole thing. And you have to remember that the time of this was the same time as the Rodney King riots. So there was already this instrumental distrust in the L- distrust in the LAPD. So, you know, they painted that picture and people were like, yeah, maybe it was the cops. Why should we believe them? Look at what they did to Rodney King. So there were so many different things that went into this trial and it it was a fact. No one could look away. Like if you ask anybody who's, you know, especially our parents, they were so fascinated by it. They said it was the only thing anybody watched, the only thing they talked about. Like they remember the day that the OJ verdict came back as if it was, you know, their most clear memory. Yeah. It's so wild. Yeah. Oh my God. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. 
Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Do you want to explain, uh, just because I feel like a lot of people know this, but they don't really know what it means, the glove? Yeah. So there was a glove left at the, at the scene where Nicole was murdered. And the exact size of the glove and model of the glove matched a pair of gloves that OJ had. He was seen, there was photographs of him in it. It was no, it was no question. It was his glove. And they had him try it on in court. There was a whole thing about OJ's team being the ones to present the idea to have him try it on in court. And when OJ went up and them knowing it wasn't going to fit, they knew it wasn't going to fit his hand. So when OJ went up to put the glove on, he struggled to put it on and see, it doesn't like he's holding it up and he's like, see, it doesn't fit. It's like the most famous picture of OJ putting on this glove. And, you know, there was a couple of things that people had said was a, like, you can pretend to make it not fit. No one was putting it on for him and, and, you know, pushing it down and saying, okay, OJ, this fits your hand. It was OJ saying, you know, this doesn't fit. And the other thing is blood shrinks leather. So no one's thinking at the time, like, okay, yeah, it doesn't fit because it shrunk. <laughs> it's crazy. It's really crazy. The, this, way- the reason that I'm, you kind of get the fascination. Like, there's so many layers and so many pieces of information in the story that made it so insane. It's also, though, to me, there's no way that this isn't, like, divine intervention. There, all of the, I understand that they were in a time when, you know, DNA was still relatively new, but the amount of events that had to line up for him to be proven not guilty. Well, that's the thing. It, it doesn't. It's, the thing is, this case went to a civil court after where he was found, you know, guilty of the wrongful death of Nicole and Ron Goldman because it's easier to prove in a civil case something that happened. In a, in a case where it's a criminal case, all you have to prove is cast a little bit of doubt in someone's mind. So to say, you know, oh, the police must have set him up. And there was a whole thing with another police officer who was very famous. Um, God, what was his name? It's going to drive me crazy. I'm going to remember. Ron Furman, I think. Fur- definitely Furman. I don't know, remember his first name. He was one of the main, like, detectives on the case. And he was a Nazi sympathizer. And they, you know, one of the huge pieces of evidence was this guy went under oath saying he had never said the N-word before. He would never dare. He was not racist, whatever. And then it came out that there were all these audio scripts of him saying it. And not only that, that there was Nazi memorabilia in his house. So each aspect just cast a shout on the LA, cast a, cast a shadow of doubt on the LAPD. And, you know, Mark Furman, Mark Furman, not Ron Furman, cast a, a shadow of doubt in the LAPD and made it seem so much more like this was a setup. This was a setup. They did this wrong. The LAPD is out to get this powerful black man. And it was a narrative that people really bought into. And on the prosecution side, where they're saying, look at this evidence we have. Look at this DNA. It's one in a billion. The jury was bored to tears. Imagine someone explaining to you, first of all, what story would you rather hear? Oh my God, this guy, this prominent figure in the community was set up by the LA, the awful LAPD. Or would you rather have somebody sit there and tell you about DNA evidence, which you don't even know about at the time and telling you it's a one in a billion and preventing all of these scientific facts at you. It's like the, his team was so good and the 
evidence was so new that it, you're right, it created the perfect storm in order to get him to be found not guilty. It's really unbelievable. And this trial went on for so long. Like, and you have to remember that people during this trial weren't allowed to see their families. They weren't allowed to do all these things. So they had to stay. They had all this information. And they couldn't talk to other people because, A, they would have gotten outside information. They couldn't watch the news. They couldn't read things. So they're trapped in a hotel with each other, monitored exactly what they're allowed to read and what they're allowed to watch and all these things that they're allowed to do. And they went crazy. So by the time that the verdict came in and they were ready, they were like, let's just do it. They're like, let's get out of here. Oh my God. It's so wild. I, I, I have nothing even else to say. Cause I just, I, I'm just sitting here like in, and I know all of this. I just, every time I hear it, it's so wild. It's, it's the craziest case. I hope there's someone that's in their car right now. It's like, holy shit. Yeah, I know. You know. I hope there is, I hope there's somebody that was like, who's this OJ guy? Yeah, no, I know. In terms of you know, what Julie briefly touched on, Robert's kind of involvement from a believing him standpoint. A year after OJ was acquitted, Robert admitted in an interview with Barbara Walters that he does have doubts about OJ's innocence. And he, you know, he's saying that the blood evidence is what caused his doubts. Again, put yourself in a time where DNA is so new. This DNA evidence is so new. Also, Caitlin has said that after the trial, Robert told him that he believed OJ was actually guilty. So we've heard that multiple times. I believe I believe that he fully believed after the fact that he was guilty. Yeah, I mean, I think that it in the civil case, I believe that um Robert testified and there were, I think he was maybe prepared to testify not on OJ's behalf and and really ready to but everything that Robert said was client. Lawyer privilege. Yeah, it was privilege. So we couldn't really say that much. So every question they asked, it was, he doesn't have to answer that client lawyer, like confidentiality. And so in that case, as we know, in the civil case, he was, he, OJ was found guilty for the, the wrongful death and had to play a significant fine. And I believe it was after then that OJ and Robert stopped speaking because I think Robert, you know, he really knew at this point. And he, I, OJ wasn't at his, his funeral, but OJ has said, um, I think after he died, he had said, um, I don't remember, like, he, that he loved, he called him Bobby, he loved Bobby, and that Robert was there for him during the darkest period of his life, obviously, and there for him when nobody else was. So I guess, you know, OJ probably doesn't hold it against Robert. Not that OJ's opinion of you really no, matters, but it, it's just interesting, the dynamic there. And it would be so interesting to hear what Robert would have to say to Kim from a morality standpoint. Because, you know, Robert was a really good guy. Like the one thing that everyone says about Robert Kardashian is that he was the best guy. And even in The People versus OJ, when they showed the TV show, the, the kids were so happy at the way Robert was portrayed because they felt he was portrayed so positively. And that's, you know, the way they always knew him. Maybe he was on OJ's team, but it wasn't in the same capacity maybe as everybody else or he he really believed him. It well, wasn't just he was on his team as his lawyer defending him. It was like he believed his friend. And so it, it, it would just be interesting to hear it from the advice that he would give to Kim from a morality standpoint after having been a defense lawyer in the biggest, you know, murder that we know, you know? No, I know. I I mean, first of all, I agree with you. That would be fascinating. But also what I would love to hear is 
what him and Chris's conversation was after the fact. You know, th- if there was already tension there, right? Yeah. Because you know, once once what I, this is what I'm curious about. If going into it, he fully believed OJ, okay? And Chris fully believed that OJ did it. And that caused conflict. And then after the fact, OJ is found not guilty. And then Robert at some point starts to realize that he actually believes OJ is. What was that dynamic like with Chris? Was there, you know what I mean? Was there a guilt that came over him? Was there a, I have no idea. So, you know, it's interesting to think about Chris and Robert's relationship after the fact. So, you know, as we know, Kendall and Kylie call Robert Uncle Rob. And there was some relationship there. We've seen pictures of Kendall and Kylie at a young age with Robert. Um, Chloe has said things about it taking her parents. Really, She was talking about Courtney and Scott. And she said, it took my parents, Robert and Chris, such a long time after their divorce to be able to be on good terms again and be able to be together as a family. So if you're thinking in terms of timeline, their divorce was finalized in 91. The OJ trial was 94. It wouldn't have been after the, until after the OJ trial that they would have been, that A, Kendall and Kylie would have known Robert, that they would have had some sort of reconciliation in terms of co-parenting. So m- there must have been some conversation where Chris was able to move past the fact that Robert defended OJ. There must have been I don't know if there was admission. Maybe Robert couldn't admit that, but maybe he said, you know, at the time I really thought, and I'm sorry, I'm not so sure anymore. I don't know, but there had to have been something because I can't imagine that Chris would have been able to have this relationship if Robert was so diehard, OJ did not do it, I believe, my friend. And first of all, 100%, I agree with everything you just said, but what about the conversation with the kids? Not only after the fact, but also do you think there was, and I know they were so young, but how was that even framed before? It's not like they didn't know OJ and Nicole. It was Uncle OJ. I was just about to say Uncle OJ and Aunt Nicole. And how was that explained? Like, Daddy, you know. I think Courtney had said once that they they went to maybe not the trial, but maybe something else. And they were sitting with Robert on OJ's side and their mom was sitting on Nicole's side and they didn't know what they were supposed to do. It was like, here's your dad, your hero. And it's like, well, if he believes him and he believes our uncle OJ, then like, but here's our mom on the other side. It it must've been, and I think they speak about it a little bit, just incredibly confusing from which parent do I choose standpoint, let alone there's a murder going on and I only know so much of what that means. What side do I believe? It wasn't about, who do they believe? It was like almost which parent are you going to go with? Yeah, which I mean, we see the quote, which parent in so many divorces, but not like this. Right. Not like because my one parent is defending my uncle who apparently killed, you know what I mean? And like, if you're thinking about the kids in terms of their relationship with their mom, Courtney had a terrible relationship with Chris at this point. Chris had cheated on Robert and and they knew it. And, and they, I mean, I imagine as Courtney has spoken about before that they really blamed Chris for the marriage. So, you know, it's possible that even, maybe even out of spite that they had taken their dad's side. I don't know. There's so many angles, but I don't know how much it was spoken about because like we said, Caitlin said, no, no OJ, you cannot, met, even after the trial, OJ's name is not allowed in this house. So I imagine there's a possibility that Robert, out of respect for Caitlin, because they had a pretty good relationship as well, was like, okay, we're not going to talk about OJ in our house either, even though the houses were separate. Mm-hmm. I could totally see that being the case. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, forgetting about what Caitlin wanted, I think that that was probably, if he was really starting to have doubts, 
it's probably the last thing he'd want to talk right. about with the kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, what we we have no idea, but oh my god! Wow, Keeping Up Crew could have really done some work. Then. Imagine if Keeping Up with the Kardashians was filming. I can't, even, I can't. I can't even talk that about it. That is my. I know, dream. I know. I, but it's almost like it was. You got every. The only thing you're missing is the Kardashian behind the scenes. When the OJ thing was on, every you knew everything. There was not a second of the news that wasn't dominated by this. I know, I and I, and that's fascinating. I'm just talking about the inter, you know, the yeah, the, the behind, behind the scenes, scenes dynamics. Oh my like god! The, like the screaming fights that I'm sure Chris and Robert must have gotten into. The sitting down with the kids. Imagine a little Kim Kardashian being explained that her dad was about to defend. I mean, could you imagine this? No, it's crazy, and it's it. It really when you think about the impact that this case had on their family and how famous this family is to us. It's like the most famous trial of a century, the most famous family in America, and they're connected. That in and of itself is mind-boggling. It's all mind-boggling. It really is. Wow. We're just going to take one minute to tell you guys about Best Egg. So how many of us have looked at our finances and screamed, how can we make this much and still have so much debt? I feel like that is such a relatable feeling. It kind of just creeps up on us. There's, you know, unexpected repairs, replacing the washer and dryer, medical bills, those insane interest credit cards that you had to use to pay for, just a lot of things. So we're going to tell you about a really smart move that could help you get on top of your finances. You can get a fixed rate personal loan at bestegg.com. The rates are great right now. Imagine this, finally being able to pay down those crazy high credit cards and bills and then bank the money you save each month. Consumers have rated Best Egg 4.8 out of 5 stars on Consumer Affairs because of the super easy online loan app that takes about a minute with no impact to your credit score. So, upon approval, funds can be deposited in as little as one business day. Get your bills under control, bank what you save, and take control of your finances with a loan from bestegg.com. So visit bestegg.com slash cbc. Bestegg.com slash cbc. Again, that's bestegg.com slash cbc. Okay, now back to the show. Is there anything else that you want to add to the OJ aspect to or the, the OJ, Rob aspect? To the OJ aspect. No, I I feel pretty content that we got to talk about I it. I know, no, I want I'm so happy for you. I know how much this means to you, and I really am thrilled that I, I loved sitting here and next watching week you do the it. Menendez brothers. <laughs> Don't get ahead of yourself. Um, obviously, you know, Robert Kardashian passed away in July 2003 after being diagnosed with esophageal cancer, and he died only two months after he was diagnosed, which I can only imagine the amount of just pain that caused really everyone involved. Um, at the time of his death, though, him and Chris were on good yeah. terms. Like, there yeah. was no—of course, I'm sure crazy shit went down, but from what we know, at least— at the time of his death, it wasn't like he was on bad terms with any members of the immediate family. No, not that we know and of. And as you know, they all, you know, Chris included, regard him as just a hero and not not in his in that in this case, but just in their lives. And they could not speak more highly of a human being. The way they talk about their dad is really beautiful. Yeah. So clearly, I, it couldn't have damaged their relationship. I'm saying this couldn't have damaged their relationship too much. No, because it, yeah, it it didn't, and I think that is really a testament to who Robert was, that he was able to be on this case. And he's still so highly regarded, not even in terms of just his family, just, you know, when people talk about this case, there's never a negative said about Robert Kardashian. It was like, oh, of course Robert Kardashian took this case and represented. It was his friend. He's a great guy. It's, it was the, the other, you know, lawyers on the team were, you know, there was some shady stuff and, and some shady things said about them, but ne- never Robert. 
You, I mean, and and that could be out of respect for you know him no longer living, but I think it was just a real testament to who he was as a person. I totally agree. I really, I really do. Whew. Anything else you'd like to add? No. <laughs> okay, guys. We know this this week is kind of short. We just felt like we got this surge on Saturday of being like, let's talk about Robert and OJ. And personally, like my secret motive is that I really wanted Julie to be able to tell this story because I love hearing her talk about it. You should, I wish, I know there's no video, but she really gets so passionate and it's so much fun for me to watch her get so into something. Um and I just thought that this this needed its own episode. So I'm content with our decision. Uh, yeah, same. Obviously, <laughs> this is the best day of my life. <laughs> okay, we will see you guys tomorrow for our regular episode where literally, I'm not I'm not just saying this, There, I don't think there's ever been a week where we're more excited to talk about Kardashian events. There's so much that happened. The episode tomorrow was literally going to be James Charles and Kardashian. I feel what like. else could you want? What, el- what else could I want to talk about a YouTube scandal and the Kardashian world? Nothing wow, nothing. Else. Okay, guys, we We'll see you next week. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.